You're listening to The Local Maximum, Episode 77. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, today, actually, I'm speaking to you from Lviv, Ukraine, where I just gave a nine-hour course on Bayesian inference so awesome, to a bunch of students at the Ukraine Catholic University Summer School for Data Science. Um, It's confusing, you know, for an American in Lviv. It's a Ukrainian city, but it used to be part of Poland before World War, well, it used to be part of the Soviet Union, and then it was part of Poland before World War II, and then it was in the Austrian Empire before before that, before World War I. It's all sorts of names. Lviv, but it looks like Lviv. I think I called it Lviv last time. And then Lvov in Polish, Lemberg, and Leopolis. Although I'm most amused, I have to say, I'm most amused by the English pronunciation Elwow. Yes, because L-W-O-W is what it looks like for the, the Polish version. Anyway, it was an amazing experience. Uh, I know I said I would be worried that I wouldn't be able to fill up the nine full hours of class. Uh, to be honest, folks, I could have done twice that. When it was lunchtime, I was like, and when we come back, oh, wait a minute. No, we're, we're done. That, that was, yeah, that's it. And, and um, the students, they were so engaged, which was very encouraging when you travel to the other side of the world. And I know that uh, some of the students in the course are probably listening to this episode, which is not going to be a whole lot of Bayesian inference, but I want to give give them a shout out. It was a great time. All sorts of people are interested in what we're talking about here in the local maximum, and that's uh, that's that's really awesome. So, I think I'll repeat what I said uh, in the course on the show here soon, at least some of it. Uh, but for today, we're just going to sh- uh, switch gears a little bit. I know that those of you who are listening to the local maximum because you're into the Foursquare apps specifically the Foursquare City Guide app. You're probably also into games like foosball. That's just a guess, but you know, bar-finding apps named after schoolyard games. I don't know, maybe. But today, we're just going to dive into the wide world of competitive foosball. Let's listen in here for a second. Plane trying to go with that push kick. Toe able to keep it out. And Miriam picks it up on the five. Mariam Hart along the outside wall can win it right here. Mariam Ali for the win. Chokes it home, and there it is. Mariam Ali and Mike Splain. All right, that's the sound of competitive foosball being announced in real time. I want to play a really cool conversation that I had with Mariam Ali, who has been on this program many times, as you guys know. Uh, she is actually ranked at number three in the official World Rankings of Women's Competitive Foosball. So I thought that would be a fun thing to discuss before I went on my trip overseas. And now that I'm here, I can, um, I can release it out to the world. We start by getting over the whole, you know, wait, there's competitive foosball <laughs> type situation, uh, uh, which is sort of my initial and I think most people's initial uh, 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 reaction to that. And then we get into all my prying questions into the details of it. You know, what do you do with your goalie and what do you all that? But then we turned into what lessons that Miriam uh, takes from the foos- foosball world into the world of tech and product and teamwork. And I think you'll get a lot out of this interview. So let's bring it up. Miriam, welcome back to the local maximum. 
It's great to be back again, Mex. You really know how this is done right now. I don't really have to tell you anything. I, we don't really have to have a huge setup discussion. I don't have to be nervous. Uh, but this is great. <laughs> Thanks for coming back on the show. <laughs> Thanks uh, for having I, me. Yeah, and I know that um, we wanted to talk again about your foosball career, if I could call it that. Because <laughs> uh, it's so interesting to people that, uh, you know, that there is competitive foosball out there. I didn't know that some people are familiar with. Well, anyway, I, I personally like it. I enjoyed playing foosball growing up. It's, you know, my grandparents used to have a table in their basement and I would go over with like my cousins and we'd run down there and play it. And so um, I had no idea that this is something that can be done competitively other than like at a bar. <laughs> so um, I wish I had known that sooner. Uh, when did you get into foosball? I first started playing about 11 years ago. Um, when I first got to Carnegie Mellon, um, there was a table in the dorm that I hung out in all the time, and I started playing with my friends um, at the storm, and we weren't any good. We just played for fun. That was the only dorm game I was any good at. <laughs> I got beaten so badly at um, ping pong. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And then someone's 10-year-old brother came in one time and beat all of us, but that's another story. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not good at any of those other games, too. Yeah. And I wasn't good at foosball at the beginning, certainly. Um, but you liked it. Yeah, I really enjoyed playing. And this one particular day, um, one, of, one of our friends showed up to the table. He hadn't really played with us before. And uh, he was so good. He just destroyed all of us. And we're sitting at the table, or standing, standing by the table, being like, "What just happened? Yeah, like, <laughs> Where how, did this how did you do that?" Yeah, exactly. Like I'd never seen someone play like that before. And um, it turns out there was an upperclassman that he'd been playing with who went to tournaments. And uh, so he didn't even go to tournaments himself. He was playing with someone who did. Exactly. And so he picked up the tournament style of play. And yeah, we we were like, "How can we do that? How can we beat our friend?" <laughs> Basically, yeah. So we we started challenge. Yeah, we 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 saw what was possible, and yeah, we we started training with that upperclassman too, and he, he's the one who encouraged us to go to our first um, tournament in Atlanta in two thousand nine. Wow, ten years ago now. It's hard yep. to believe. What? How many? Uh, there's got to be every time you go to a, a new place, there's like a different type of foosball table. Some of them have one goalie. Some of them have three goalies. Yep. Some, some of them have one leg. Some of them have two legs. Wait, what does that mean? One leg or two? Oh, oh the, 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 the little guys themselves? Yep. The little figures. And what does that mean if it has two legs? Uh, the Spanish style has two legs. I just oh. got back from Spain on Sunday. So I, that one's top of mind. And that you were playing foosball in Spain. Yep. And you and they have two legs down there. So can, yeah. can the ball roll between their legs? Uh, the ball can get stuck between the legs. It was Ooh. really. And I think there are a few. Can different... you like fling it out or no? Uh, I've I, never I, seen one like that. But... Yeah, it was it was weird for me too. Okay. <laughs> but it was fun, really, really fun. Yeah. So I, you see all these different tables. Doesn't that throw people for a loop? That 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 every court is different, or is that just part of the fun of it? Or. Um, are there, I heard you said, like, regulation court. <laughs> what is there? <laughs> yeah, so there, there are five official tables. Um, okay. And each of them are quite different, and each of them are more popular in different regions of the world. Um, so what's popular here in New York? Um, here in New York, the popular table is the tornado table. It's the standard American com competition table. Okay. And what, what, is, what are the properties of that table? 
Uh, well, it's very well built, and it was built for competition. Um, some of the, the other kinds of tables, they they weren't built for competition, but people got good on them, and so they became competition tables. How, how is it different from one that I would find like in someone's home or in a bar? Um, the rods don't bend as easily. Okay, so it's just higher quality. Yeah, that's right. that's certainly part of it. Another, like the guys are counterbalanced, so you can you can uh, put the guys up like uh, parallel to the table, and they won't fall down. Yeah. So uh, okay, so when did you start playing? So do you play it like professionally? Like, is this like there isn't like a foosball player profession to, to say? But like, how how high how high does it go? What? So so okay, there is one this one player. Yeah. Uh, Tony Spriedeman. He yeah. makes his full time living being a foosball player. You could do that. Well, uh, very rarely. Tony can because so how, he's the best. He's the best. Um, but how does he actually? Um, does someone pays him to do this? Um, so he goes to tournaments and he wins. <laughs> he goes to tournaments and he wins. So if he doesn't win, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't yeah, get paid. Yeah, right. He doesn't, yeah. Get po- he doesn't get paid for the attempt either. Nope. Um, you've won some tournaments, right? I have. So how? So, uh, so so you get paid as well. Um, I when I win, yes. Um, but cool. I spend so much more money. Get, to get, go getting there <laughs> yeah <laughs> then i then i make well wouldn't certainly. it be true for this other one like wouldn't he uh, wouldn't he have like um a very high like travel budget and all that but he just has to make more than that so some of it is um he's winning events that are that pay out more than the ones that i do um so he's winning uh open singles and i'm winning like women's doubles for example so the women's events don't pay as much um uh, just like in other sports um but on top of that, he is more targeted with the things that he competes in. So I try gotcha. to play. Like he runs it like a business, uh, maybe. Not not, not quite, really, but, but more but targeted in, in terms of getting like yeah. intelligence. You, you can think of it as like he only enters events that he can win. Okay. Um, it just so happens that he enters every event that he can possibly because he's the best and he yeah. can win everything. Gotcha. But when I enter events, I enter many events where I know I won't win. Um, and it's because I just want to get better. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to be profitable. Okay. So what are, tell me something I don't know about foosball. Are there any strange rules that I'm not aware of? I know when I used to play, we used to like at home, we used to like spin the things and then I learned later, like you shouldn't do that. Uh, but, um, then sometimes we've played with like spin aloud. Yeah. So, um, there, there are so many, there, there's an official rule book, first of all. Okay. Um, I should say too. I can recently... I link to it? Is there a? Uh, is it online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. I can uh, okay. get that we'll, to you so we'll you can link put a link in. Um, and actually, we just uh, uh, the International Federation just published a new version of the rules, which is way easier to read and understand. So, hopefully, the listeners, <laughs> when you're reading the rule book, it'll be it'll make more sense than it did a year ago. Um, yeah, so there's there's a whole rule book, and there are refs, and I'm actually a trained ref as as well. I'm not just a player; I'm a referee. Um, and there are a lot of rules that even even um, a standard player may not know the specifics on. Um, but as a ref, you you have to know every detail. Um, so one here's one rule that's probably something people wouldn't think about if they're not competition players. 
Um, there is a time limit for how much time uh, you can have possession of the ball on each rod. Hmm. Is that, is that like a shot clock or it's not about taking a shot? It's just about keeping it in the, in the rod? Yeah. And how do they define keeping it in the rod? Like, what if I bounce it off a wall somewhere? Is that um, is it, if it stays within like reachable distance of the guys, then it? It's oh, still... I see. So if I bounce it off the side and it comes back, but they would never get it. I'm still on the clock. Exactly. But if I like shoot it out front and it comes back to me, and you could have swiped in, then that's considered a pass. Exactly. Kind of. uh, yeah. Okay. Then, it, then your, your it re- timer gets reset. Exactly. Okay. So how many? How much time do you have? Um, on the middle rods, 10 seconds. Oh, that's not that full. That is not that long. Yeah. On the others, it's 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, um, I feel like I have spent more than that <laughs> trying to think about what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, uh, what uh, prompted you to spend all this time kind of mm-hmm. practicing and going to tournaments and also ultimately yeah. like getting that world rate ranking? And maybe you could explain a little bit how the rankings work. Yeah. Um, did you one day decide to do it? Did you slowly fall into it? Yeah, it was a kind of a slow progression. So um, when I went to my first tournament, I sucked. <laughs> I was terrible. Uh, I was 19 and I lost Gotta to... Gotta start somewhere. Yeah, it's true. And I lost to so many people, including four different children. Um, but the thing that really hooked me was the community. Um, I really... Well, I love to play, but also the people were just really cool and interesting. And so... I started just going to tournaments because I liked the people and I liked to play. How do the people in foosball differ from the people in software? <laughs> uh, well, it's a I different slice. Yes. You know, um, you get, well, you do get people who work in software, right? You get sure. people who... You know, people who are like engineers and stuff like that. Yeah, you, you, you get all kinds. Like, you know, there's Tony who does foosball full time. There's there are doctors, there are lawyers, there are you know blue collar workers, there are stay at home moms. You get a whole variety of different people, and that's it's it's good. It's good to be around people who think differently and who have different you know day to day lives than you have. I feel like you learn a lot. I've learned a lot from from my foosball family, certainly. Cool. So you enjoyed the community, but then yeah. how did you, yeah, yeah. how does that lead to a championship? Right. So it turns out, you know, if you play something enough hours, you just naturally get better, <laughs> especially if you keep losing to people. You you just, um, you pick up things. That's not always true in, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it is always true. I feel like something like golf gets so frustrating because you can't put in th- that many hours unless you um, do it. I mean, like, yeah, I don't do it, so. I just, I, I kept going to tournaments and... Yeah. Well, I didn't really practice in between for a long time. I just kept getting better. Um, but do you actually get, do you get like a coach? Does the coach tell you, do, do you like learn from someone? Okay, like this is actually a good move that you should try. Um, I've learned so many things in that way from so many different people. Um, there's one player out of Toronto uh, during, I guess, my first couple of years playing. He showed me how I should be practicing my midfield, like the the what we call the five bar, the one in the middle. The one in the middle, yeah, the the big one in the middle. Yeah, um, it's really important to play because that's where the ball is served. That's where you start the, like, possession. And um, Where do you keep your hands during game play, if I might (laughs) ask? Like, do you have one on the goalie and then the other one switches between the three or do you switch two to two? Um, Uh, Or or is there one thing, is there one answer that most people do? Um. And if I'm playing singles, if the other team is serving the ball, 
Yeah. Um, I keep my right hand on the five bar. And depending on the table, like yeah. if, I, if I'm playing on the American table, I keep my left hand on the goalie rod. If I'm playing one of the European tables, um, I actually keep it, keep my left hand on the two bar. Okay. And not the goalie because um, on the American table, the ball, um, it's easier to contain the ball uh, with the goalie rod because it has three guys on it. Like you said before, um, some tables have three, some tables only have one. Right. Yeah. When you only have the one goalie rod, let's say I, I block the pass with my right hand. Um, well, if I don't have, if I don't contain the ball in my goalie area after blocking that pass, then they can still get possession. So it's like, I might as well have not blocked it. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding this here. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> that was that was fast, and I got no, no, into so, some technical so hold stuff on, there. Hold on, I've I've got one hand on the goalie right now. I've got one yeah. hand in the middle on the in the middle. Yeah, and then what happens? So my opponent. They're, yeah. they, uh, they're trying to pass the ball from their midfield to their striker. The striker, that's the three in front. Yeah, the that's three okay. in front. Exactly. So, um, I didn't know that was that was this is called. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm taking that term from soccer. We, we okay. actually call it the three bar, usually. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, but during that, like, my, my goal when they're trying to make that pass is to block it. And I want to get possession... Right. On my guys so that I have control. Right, right, right. But if you fail to block it, then you have to make sure you're good on defense. Right, right. And the reason why I keep my left hand back there on the goalie, in the goalie area, is so that if I do block the ball, but I don't, let's say I I chip it so so they, uh, I don't get possession with my right hand. I just kind of knock the ball in a way so that they don't get possession on their three bar. That means that it goes into my goalie area, so I need to contain it in my goalie area so that I keep possession and they don't get the ball. Okay, interesting. Did I wish that make you sense? know. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. I, it, that makes sense to me. I almost wish we played a game beforehand, so then we can. You know what? <laughs> Maybe we'll play a game and then we'll uh, record. Uh, you can record me some pointers. <laughs> uh, okay, and, and then I'll play it afterwards. Sounds great. Um, all right, so. What, uh, so, so again, like, how did you get, how did the rankings work and what is your ranking and how did you ultimately get there? Yeah. So, um, so my current ranking, uh, which I I honestly can't believe it at this point, but I'm, I'm top three. Just spit it out, Miriam. Yeah. I'm number, I'm number three in singles. I'm number three in doubles. It's women's singles. Is that nationwide or? No, that's in the world ranking. World ranking. So, Um, So who does the world ranking? Yeah, so we have this uh, international federation. It's called ITSF. The T and the S stand for table soccer, um, which is kind of funny because no one actually calls it table soccer. Like we all call it foosball, but yeah, it's fine. Wait, why? Why do they call? It, they use the word soccer internationally. That's um, that's strange to me, right? Because they don't like it when we call it soccer over there. Yeah, I, <laughs> it was an interesting choice because okay. some people do call it table football. I have heard it, yeah, called that way, um, but. Yeah, for some reason, table soccer is what they went with. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so they they um, they keep track of the international rankings, and it's basically any tournament that you go to um, that has they can petition the federation to be certified. So for those certified tournaments, there are 
there are different levels based on um, kind of how how big they expect the tournament to be. So there's it's not that important, but pro pro tour or master series or it could be a world series or an international. They they have all these different rankings, right? And depending on uh, what that what that um, level of tournament is, you can gain so many points by where you place. So, like at a master series, if you get first place, then that's a hundred points. So th- the way they do it, they take your top seven results for the for the year for the last 365 days, and that's how they determine your ranking. Okay, and you've just done enough tournaments that uh, you've just gone up in the in the rankings. Yeah. So and- so you're encouraged. So if you're prolific, that helps because if you have less than seven tournaments, then you're you're not going to have as many points as someone who did seven or more. Um, so that's part of the reason why I'm ranked so high. I'm a very yeah. prolific player. <laughs> right. So you've been playing a lot, and you were playing a lot for the last few years. So yeah. what's what's next? Sponsorship deal? Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe maybe <laughs> the, someone listening <laughs> wants to pay you my sell, way sell to your table. Yeah, um, <laughs> sponsor a table. Um, okay. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the connection you made between what you learned in foosball about uh, teamwork and trust that can be applied to software teams like the kind you work on at Foursquare. Yeah. So. Kind of to start that off, um, I've always thought that trust was really important to to teamwork, um, and it's actually the reason why I joined Foursquare to begin with. Um, during my interview process, Foursquare was like the only place where I really felt like um, having an ego was not welcome. It's interesting that you know there's a. Um you could tell when a place has trust, but there, it's hard to quantify it for me. But maybe yeah. you have some ideas on like what to look for. Yeah. So the the thing that really struck me was um, Jason Litzka. He um, was talking about how for his team, he knew if he went on vacation, he could kind of check out of work. He he knew that they would handle whatever happened. Like if the site goes down. They'll figure out what to do. He's right. Like, I, I, he, he made it clear that he trusted the team. Um, and I mean, I would just want to go on vacation. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got to trust the team. <laughs> right, right. But I think a lot of a lot of companies were talking about how, oh, yeah, we have really smart people. But it seemed very egocentric versus okay. This this idea was like no 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 the team the team is really good the team they'll get it done it, it wasn't like oh yeah every person on the team is super smart it was no the team the team is strong okay um, I see yeah so I, I've always had this feeling that that was important and um, I really uh, I think that that's one of the things that has made the Foursquare engineering team so strong and. It, I mean, now it's a core value, trust each other. Yeah, I remember coming up with those. You were probably yeah. there too. Yeah, <laughs> and it, for that specific one, I advocated for it to be one of our core values um, because it, it was just so obviously different and important. I agree. Like I was, um, I was very happy with the amount of trust put in me when I first joined here eight years ago. Yeah. Um, and I forgot that that's not the norm. Yeah, um, right. I 
same. <laughs> uh, but coming back to foosball, while, while I've always had this this thought, it just became so much clearer when I was playing foosball full time. So uh, for for those of you listening, about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, I tw- I quit my job at Google um, and I went on this like long foosball journey for seven months where. I wasn't working. I was only um, going to tournaments and traveling. Fo- uh, f- a professional foosball player. You yes. put that on your LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> you should. It you would could. explain that gap time yeah. in my employment for sure. Um, so I played a lot of foosball during during this time period. I can't remember exactly how many tournaments, but I, th- I think I played in maybe uh, eight different countries. Um, yeah, I've in the last... Over the last uh, maybe two or three years, I've probably played on the order of 30-something tournaments, um, like big tournaments. So, uh, But especially during that seven-month period when I wasn't thinking about anything besides foosball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really – and that's – obviously, most people are not in a position to do that. So. Right, right. Um, I, th- I think the reason why this, like, idea of trust kind of – surfaced again is because during a foosball match like it's it's competition emotions are running high like that's just the nature of competition you're going to be more emotionally invested sure um than uh during your like regular day-to-day life yeah um and so under those sorts of like emotional moments and that stress um the interpersonal dynamics of a team kind of get um exacerbated like any issues get exacerbated between between two teammates and like um can you give us some examples maybe yeah you don't have to to name names but like a specific situation maybe um yeah i yeah exactly so i'm gonna i'm gonna go into kind of two different two different moments in two different women's doubles matches Um, okay let's go yeah so I was playing with one partner. It was the first time she and I had played together. And um, I was struggling to score a bit um, in, in this particular match. And we, we were facing a team that was strong and the goalie specifically. So, like, I'm, I'm number three. Uh, she's number two. <laughs> so uh, she's a very strong player. And I knew that, and it was kind of in my, in my head. And I, I took a timeout. And I asked my partner, like, do you want to switch? And she totally, like, talked me into getting pumped up. She she showed me that she trusted me so much. And I couldn't believe, like, that she was so good at this because we had just met each other. Yeah. It wasn't just that we were playing together for the first time, but we had only met each other that weekend. And she um, she pumped me up. She was just like why are we switching you this is your job you know you you have the ball you know what to do don't stress about it you know don't stress out about it you you've got this and um I ended up scoring that point and uh we went on to win not just that match but we won that tournament um and that was actually my first uh women's open doubles win ever and it was with a new partner that stuff matters when you're uh in a competition yeah, uh, how people treat you. It's um, yeah. There's something in the mind that uh, it's it's that totally true. And um, the flip side, 
Okay. So I had a different, I had a different match um, with a different partner, someone that I knew better actually, and she was playing phenomenally. Like I was, I was kind of watching in awe. She was completely blocking everything that the other um, offensive player was throwing at her. She was playing phenomenally, and she was even scoring from the back some. Uh, the problem was the other goalie was also playing phenomenally. So I was having trouble scoring again in this situation. And um, I called a timeout. Uh, she gave me some she gave me some pointers and that that was good. Um, but I could feel her lack of trust every time that I got the ball. She I I could just um She's like, oh no, this person has the ball. She has the ball again. It's yeah, out of my her, control. It was in her body language. You know, she yeah. didn't have to say a word. It was it was all I could feel her tense up when I got the ball. Gotcha. Um I could feel that she didn't trust me. And that just had a spiral effect, you know? Like I I mean, obviously it's my fault that I couldn't score. I'm not trying to say that it's hers in any way. That's, that's <laughs> not what I mean. But but when you um when you have a have that doubt when you can feel that doubt from your partner it makes you second guess everything it makes you tense up it makes it so that um like um if you're tense then your body just like your muscles don't react the same way so it's harder to execute for example and if you're thinking about what your partner thinks of you then you're not focused on the things that you need to be focused on to score and in in that situation it's sometimes it's hard to Mm -hmm. Like talk yourself out of it. Oh, okay. I shouldn't be thinking about it. Let me focus on the game. But the mind doesn't always work like that. Exactly. And you know, she played phenomenally. Like phenomenally, she played way better even than how did she play so well? Even though she was so annoyed with you. (laughs) I mean, she was a great player. Yeah. And it it just goes to show, like, if um, given how well she was playing, like we should have won you know we 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 totally should have won but because of that lack of trust um it kind of it led to spiral situation and yeah we we did not win that match so both of your examples are Mm -hmm. other people interacting with you have you taken these examples how have you um Mm -hmm. uh taken this experience and you know try to interact with other people like coming from your side yeah so um I, especially when I'm playing goalie, I try to just, I try to show my partner that I trust them as much as possible. Um, I I think it matters when I'm playing offense too, but it's even more important when you're playing goalie, just the the way, um, the way play happens. It's like the the goalie kind of sets the tone. When one person plays the goalie, do they Mm -hmm. have their hands on the goalie and then the two in the the bar in front of that? Or is that, okay, so you're you're a defense essentially. Yes. Yeah, and then you get the ball up there. Mm -hmm. I found when I play defense, I'm just Mm -hmm. like, um, it's it's always over there and I'm like struggling to (laughs) prevent a goal. Yeah. Uh, But But there uh, there are lots of ways though that you can can show that you trust your partner. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is you, you need to show that you are trustworthy. Right. Yeah, it's it, it's both ways. You can't I mean, if if I'm if I'm not if I'm coming into a match with ego, you shouldn't trust me. You know, you shouldn't trust that I'm going to do the right things for the team if I'm coming there with ego. So that's 
it's important to show that like yeah i i um i don't think that i'm better than you i don't think that i'm better than my opponents because i know i can lose to anyone if i'm not focused um but i i know my strengths i know my partner's strengths and i have to you know, I, I'm going to show them that I, I trust that that they're going to make the right decisions, and it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that um, that I can't criticize um, certain actions of of my partner. And it, I mean, I need I need my partner to criticize me, and I need to tell them if there's something that they need to change. But what trust does, it allows you to say those criticisms and it not be taken personally. It's taken. It, it allows you to get to that place of psychological safety, um, so that you can you can say the criticism and know that it's it's not about ego. It's about winning the match. Like I I'm not saying that you're bad at foosball. I'm saying that this. I'm saying uh, so. One thing that my <laughs> anyone who's played who's played a competitive foosball knows um, about my game. I rush sometimes. Like I just don't take. What my time mean? oh yeah i do that i'm like boom boom boom, boom. So, that's what you're supposed to do so um sometimes i need my partner to kick me and be like patience please take mm. your time <laughs> stop being stupid take your time yeah. um like it's i need my partner to tell me that sometimes because i'm gonna sometimes i am dumb i know um but i also need my partner to to trust me so it's um yeah, when when I know that my partner is coming from a place of um, respect and trust, when they do criticize, you know, I, I'm going to take that criticism much more um, to heart. So how do you get to a place where you can talk openly to one another about these things? Um, I assume you can't just do it right off the bat all the time. Um, or maybe you can if you... Mm-hmm. Um, if you set things up, if you do it in the right way. Yeah, I um, think, I think, I mean, that's just right. Starting off, setting the tone at the beginning with communication, like, all right, I like to say early on, please tell me if you see something. Like, if you see me do something stupid, tell me, please. Um, and that gives them the freedom to know, like, okay, she's opening up, she's opening up a dialogue for criticism. Um, gotcha. gotcha. And I'll ask them the same, like, do, do you do you want me to, to, uh, tell you certain things? And, um, you just ask the question. Yeah. And another thing, another thing that's important to talk about is, um, like switching, um, which I don't want to get into the, the specific you details. Switch offense, defense. Yeah. But there's some interpersonal dynamics involved with switching. Like if you ask your partner to switch, it could be could be taken as an offense, like, oh, you're not doing a good job, so that's why we should switch. So talking about it ahead of time, being well, like, all right, these are the yeah. situations where... It's not necessarily that one side is more important than the other, unless it's perceived, there's there's a perception that way. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I used to have a rule, not a rule, when I was playing with friends, that, mm-hmm. like, we would switch every time uh, we got scored on, just to try to... Yeah, maybe switch things up. Yeah, so um, so having that dialogue ahead of time, like okay, yeah. these are the situations where we might want to switch, and it's saying like, um, there there's one partner, uh, his philosophy is like, um, for for the offense, 
the offense initiates a switch when it's an offensive play and the defense should initiate the switch if it's a defensive play. Um, Wait, what's an offensive play versus a, what, what, what is an offensive play or defensive play? Yeah, so an offensive play would be we are serving the ball. Okay. So that means that we're about, we are in control of the offense. So in that situation, the person who's playing offense is the only person who can suggest a switch. Okay, I see. Yeah. And that, uh, having that um, rule means that the offensive player has to, like, they know that they're the ones who has to initiate the switch if they need it. Um, but right. that, And that... That rule is kind of good because if the uh, if the goalie's saying, "Hey, let's switch," when the offensive player is in control, it's it's almost undermining the offense. Um, it's like, "Oh, I'm I think I can play offense better than you." Right, right. So let's switch. Versus if the offensive player is the person who's initiating it, it's like, "Okay, in this particular moment, I don't feel like I'm the right person for this job right now, so let's switch." Gotcha, gotcha. So you use the term like uh, psychological safety, and I saw that in your paper too. What does that mean? Yeah, so psychological safety is this notion that everyone within a team has enough respect and trust between each other to truly be themselves. So there's no risk of of being judged or reprimanded for saying something or suggesting an idea or asking a question. Okay. Yeah, I see. Um, so, uh, it, it, people are, let me, let me see if I can think of it another way. People are comfortable being themselves. Um, people are not, you know, you can have your quirks, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't have to worry about trying to be someone else or trying to Right, uh, you don't content. have to. Yeah, you don't have to worry about how other people are perceiving you. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that that makes total sense to me. All right. So, um, what is the um, analogy that you would make to software teams or stuff that we, or, or basically any group of people mm -hmm. that wants to build stuff and put out products um, and kind of work together? Uh, what would be your takeaways to like you know add to your companies or, or to people's teams in that respect? Yeah, um, trust is super important for for being agile. Um, it's really hard to it's really hard to get better as a team if you're not criticizing each other, and it's really hard to criticize each other without trust because if you're if you're giving feedback. Um, it can be taken very personally if if there's not trust within the team. Um, so, yeah, it's it's super super important to build psychological safety so that so that um, anyone on the team feels like they can speak up if they see an inefficiency. You know, one thing I realized, and I don't I, I don't I, I don't know if we should end on this because I don't think this should be the core takeaway. <laughs> but <laughs> I realized that one thing that I do is. Um, I always say yes when something needs to be done and because I'm afraid to say no because I think, oh, that just means I'm not a team player if it's like this needs to be done. But then I realize there are some things that drive me crazy and I probably shouldn't be doing. Um, <laughs> and so I probably should – it's like it's not good to 
Um, like there are times when it is appropriate to push back, but I'm always worried about like being accused of like not, um, I don't know, not not doing what's right for the team when in mm-hmm. reality it probably is right for the team to push back. I just, I, I might not be the one to say, say it. I, yeah, does that make sense? Am I, uh, maybe ask me, maybe I'm the one who needs to be cleared up. So ask me if that, tell me if that doesn't make sense. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, it sounds, it. it sounds like you're, you're worried about your perception on the team. That, that sounds like a psychological safety issue. You're worried that you're sure. perceived as being not a team player. Yeah. 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 Uh, so maybe it would help if you, if you got, it would help if your teammates let you know that they believed you were a team player so that when you so that you would feel more comfortable saying no. It's it helps to me for me to have people who uh, I've been working with for a long time and uh, it does take a long time God, in in software there isn't like programming there's like so much BS it takes a long time to like <laughs> build up that trust. Yeah, it's it's true. It's um I think this is a situation like these sorts of situations um, are where an excellent manager can come into play. Like I think some of the best managers are really good at putting the team at ease um, and creating spaces where people feel comfortable sharing. Um, yeah, I think that that's really, really important. All right. Well, that's all I have for right now. Are, do you have any final thoughts on this or, um, or anything else you'd like to add? And I would usually say at this point, like, where, where should people go? But you've already put all your links on my site, but you could put more if you want. Uh, <laughs> I could give you the, the link to my ITSF profile. <laughs> ITSF. What is ITSF? The International Table Soccer Federation. I will put that in, I will put that in the show notes. Cool. All right. Any final thoughts before we close today? Um, yeah, I never thought, first of all, that I would ever be a professional foosball player, but also I would have never dreamed that uh, it would teach me anything about software engineering. <laughs> Miriam, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thanks. All right. Did you notice that Miriam explained what the ITSF was, and then 20 minutes later I had to ask again? Yeah, I noticed. International... Um, Table Soccer Federation. Anyway, next few weeks, maybe I'll dive into some of the Bayesian theory and history that I prepared for the course I just gave in Lviv, Ukraine, really getting to some of the core of the philosophy of science and what the problems are today. And I'll be back home and start ramping up on more amazing guests and topics for you all. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say, you're gonna say.